want Bearcats. I, I love the Bearcats. I like Luke Fickle. He brings the table. I like Bearcats. Lock in mid post. Great spin move. Reverse layup. Oh, and it's good for Victor Lockett. What a move. Looks like Bill Walton out there. Going back to throw. Looking. Scrambling. Passes. Intercepted at the goal line. The Bearcats have the football. Sauce Gardner picking off the pass as Cincinnati denies Notre Dame in the red zone. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. Double tight ends in for Cincinnati. Ritter will hand it off. Jerome Ford bouncing it to the left. There he goes. To the 30. Pulling away like Secretariat at the Belmont. Touchdown. Bearcats as Jerome Ford takes it to the house to give Cincinnati a three-score lead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Bearcats podcast. I am your host, Brandon, and this is going to be the last official episode of season three. We got a very special one here for you. Uh, first time guest coming on here in just a moment, Brett McMurphy himself. Uh, he, you might know him as the college football insider in America. Uh, I think he's worked with ESPN in the past, uh, currently with uh, Action Network. Very excited to have him on. We'll ask him all about conference realignment, conference expansion, where that leaves the Big 12. Is UC finally in a, in a good position? We'll, uh, we'll talk about all of that and more uh, coming up here in just a moment. Uh, I want to talk to you about a couple of things first, and uh, then we'll get into the interview. Of course, before we do anything, you know that it's time for a beer. Of course, we had to go with Rheingeist. Big news coming out of Rheingeist. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, since he made Morelos, the Cerveza con Limon, lager with natural flavors, 4.8%. Um, it's delicious. I haven't even, this one, um, there will be multiple drink during this interview. Uh, this one didn't even make it into a glass, so it's, it's going to go down quick. Very light, subtle, uh, lime flavored, maybe lemon. I don't know what, what's supposed to be happening there. Very light on the citrusy side of things. Solid lager. Uh, that's way better than I expected. Uh, speaking of Ryan guys, let's get into it. This earlier last week, since he reigns, announced a partnership with Rheingeist, the Cincy Light Light Lager coming to you soon. Uh, I've heard August is when you'll be able to find that on the shelves and uh, hitting taps. Uh, I know the Delhi Liquor Store will have that uh, absolutely as soon as possible, so stay tuned for that. And maybe some other news surrounding the, uh, the Delhi Liquor Store and this podcast coming soon as well. I'm very excited about Cincy Light. Uh, there's been, there's no C-Paw on the can. I could care less about that. Can design is great. Uh, I've also heard that it's going to be close to a, a cheetah lager that just won gold, uh, at the, at, uh, what is it? Great American beer fest or, or one of the, uh, national sort of beer competitions. Uh, not the first time Ryan Geist has, has won gold at that thing. So excited that they're sort of, uh, doing a lighter version of, of cheetah and uh i'm excited i i know people have their um disputes or their critiques of Rheingeist. i'm a big fan uh so i'm i'm excited for this i can't wait to slug as many as i can at the den this this uh this fall uh and beyond uh I, those will not stop getting drank just because we're not in season super excited about that uh very easy way for fans and, and even maybe uh, some non-fans to accidentally support the NIL collective. I'm all, all about that. And, uh, and maybe we, we will learn a little bit more about that coming on early in season four. Other than that, the big news is Aziz Bandango announced that he will join Wes Miller 
and the Cincinnati Basketball Bearcats. Huge get for for Miller and his staff. I know all of us were very excited on Twitter, uh, losing our minds in the Discord as well. So uh, super excited for him. We, we saw firsthand what he is capable of on the defensive side of things on the court in uh, the NIT when we lost to Utah Valley. So excited to see what he can bring, what sort of presence uh, he has down in the paint in the, in the Big 12. And I, I, I you know, Wes Miller obviously did himself a favor, but also expectations with this roster, I think, just took another step up. Uh, I don't think uh, – I think it's it, it's the tournament or bust w- with this roster that uh, we've he's put together. So, uh, big expectations. I think we would – we were optimistic going into the Big 12 before this offseason. You know, it seemed like some things were coming together. Some uh, freshmen, highly touted freshman recruits coming in. Uh, you know, we saw a way forward. Uh, and then w- between – the other new guys that we got, C.J. Frederick, Simus, Lukosius, if, if I'm even coming close to pronouncing his name correct. Uh, big things coming, expectations now definitely can can get raised. Once uh, I bring Brett McMurphy on here, uh, again, we're going to talk realignment, something I've been looking forward to talking about for a while now. Wanted to bring someone in that uh, at least halfway knew what they were talking about. And if you follow him on Twitter, uh, at Brett underscore McMurphy, or follow any of his work online, uh, he has certainly kept his uh, ear to the ground on this subject as it could impact a ton of teams and the future of college football. So, once we talk to him, stay tuned uh, if you're curious about what is coming up in season four. Like I said, this is our last official episode uh, of season three, but we will have one more next week sort of off the beaten path of, of what this podcast usually is. So I'll explain to that more uh, once we are done with Brett. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with us now for the first time making his debut appearance on the Go Bearcats podcast, Brett McMurphy. He is America's college football insider for Action Network, uh, AP Top 25 voter, as well as uh, for the Heisman Trophy, if I'm not mistaken. Brett, I'm super excited to have you on here this evening. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one of approximately 4 million people that vote for the Heisman. So, um, <laughs> I'm very uh now it's cool to do but I wish actually they would limit the number of voters but that's another conversation. Absolutely it is. Maybe something we re- revisit the next time we have you on because th- this uh conversation I want to have with you this evening is sort of one that uh gets sparked every 2 weeks it seems like by one action or another by some uh college or uh, athletic director, and uh, I've been paying a lot of attention to the to the stuff that you either write about or you uh, different podcast appearances that you've been on, and uh, with this latest news of the Magnificent Seven or or whatever the nickname that they gave themselves or others have given them, I, I wanted to, to have you on here, and I wanted to see what is the the newest take on where the conference realignment or expansion is headed. What do you got for us? Well, first of all, if you love the name Magnificent Seven or have seen the movie, which is about 50 years old, which probably nobody has, but I actually came up with that. But if you hate it, then I'll blame somebody else. So works fine um, for me. Yeah, it was. I was thinking Super Seven, Supreme Seven, and then being, you know, a big movie guy, I thought, oh, Magnificent Seven. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, do not watch the remake in 80, I think it was. 10 years ago, Denzel Washington, some other folks. I like the old school when Yul Brenner, uh, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson. Of course, nobody listening has any idea who those people are. <laughs> but I regress. Uh, yeah, so I was in Amelia Island uh, last week for the ACC spring meetings, and Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated had a very, very solid report about how these uh, seven schools were Looking at their different options as far as the ACC, he mentioned that Florida State and Clemson were two of those. Um, I tracked down the other five, and and then, uh, you know, his fate would have it called in the Magnificent Seven. So basically, you know, they're they are locked in until 2036 with their media rights 
for the ACC. And that's because of the creation of the ACC network back in 2016, when there were uh, there was a re- very real possibility the ACC was going to, uh, you know, get raided by the Big 12. Florida State was looking at the Big 12. There were some other issues. Maryland had just left for the Big 10. So they were kind of scrambling to keep the league together. So they extended their grant of rights. ESPN promised to add the ACC network. And that stretched the deal out 20 years, which is, that's not really a lifetime as far as meteorite length for a conference. It's like seven lifetimes. <laughs> uh, you know, nobody usually has it that long. So the good news is it kept the conference together. The bad news is they're locked into that money, which again, you see so many different, I'm sure people out there see all these different numbers specifically the amount of money they get from their media partners. This has nothing to do with college football playoff, bowl games, NCAA tournament. They're somewhere in the mid thirties. And that includes money from the ACC network. They may even be close to 40. So I know as far as Cincinnati fans are concerned, the big, big 12s deal starting in 2025 is 31.7. And that's just from the media. So when you're comparing media numbers, um, conference to conference, the ACC is ahead of the Big 12. However, the Big 12's deal will be up in five or six years, so the Big 12 will have a new deal in 20, 2032, while the ACC is still in their current format. So at that point, as far as meteorites values, the Big 12 should be able to pass the ACC. And that's something that Michael Alford, the Florida State AD, brought up a couple of weeks ago, is that, you know, look, UCF's joining the Big Big 12, um, and basically in five or six years, they're going to have more money for media rights than any member in the ACC. So the issue is the Magnificent Seven, they believe, and you know, everyone can come up with their own metrics to kind of, you know, everyone loves stats. You can always make a stat, say whatever you want. But basically those seven believe that they – bring more value to the ACC. They're worth more than the other teams in the ACC. So they should get a bigger slice of the pie, if you will. Well, the problem is (laughs) the teams that are not in those seven teams are not going to say, oh, you know what, Florida State, here, here's $5 million from me. Boston College will say Syracuse. So here's $4 million from me. That ain't happening. So you've got, you know, seven members that are not happy. So they basically have come reached an agreement. The presidents have to finalize it, that they will have unequal revenue sharing, but it will be performance-based. So what that means is if any team gets to the college football playoff, instead of it being shared equally throughout the conference, that the team that makes that appearance, that gets into the bowl games, that gets into the NCAA tournaments, they will receive a larger majority of that money instead of an equal share throughout the conference. Well, that basically, you know, estimates are in a great year, a school could increase their deal by 10 million. So if they're in the mid thirties and now they can get up to the mid forties, they're still going to be 20, 30, 40 million less than the SEC and big 10, what those guys are bringing in. And so that's the biggest issue. So these schools in the ACC, they would love to get out of the ACC and join the Big Ten or the SEC. Again, not every school would be invited, but certainly, you know, the usual suspects. And, you know, those, you know who those are, what, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina would be very attractive. Uh, actually, Virginia would too, Miami. Um, they would have opportunities from from one or either both of those leagues. The problem is, and you're a lot younger than me, it's the ACC grant of rights, and I wrote this the other day, can basically be summed up by uh, the late, great Meatloaf in his uh, wonderful song, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I swear I will love you till the end of time, and now I'm praying for the end of time. So that's kind of the situation the ACC schools are in right now, And until one or more of these schools can climb over the wall and make a break for it, and we don't know if they can get out. We don't know what it would cost. Certainly, 
there will be a lot of lawyers in the southeastern part of the United States that will be very, very rich because this will be headed to a lawsuit. The ACC is not going to let these guys out without a fight because they know if they do, potentially they could lose up to half of their conference. And then you, the possibly teams that don't get into the Big Ten or the SEC, would they then opt to go to the Big 12? What would be left of the ACC? Would it kind of be the American leftovers kind of merging with whoever's left in the ACC? Whatever it would end up being, I'm pretty confident in saying it would be as appealing as uh, the smell of bad fish. So uh, I kind of rambled on there, but there's so many different ways this can go. But ultimately, surprise, surprise, has to do with college athletics. It has to do with money. And the ACC schools want more money. The bad news is ESPN is not going to give them any more money before 20, 2036. So they can either suck it up and make do, or they can try to get out and let the lawsuits begin. So, Brett, as a, a fan of a team, you know, I watched Cincinnati, uh, the, you know, the Big East sort of, you know, break off. And then, uh, you know, the powers that be decided that we'll create this new conference. Uh, and one of the biggest mistakes I thought the American did was give away or let go of the Big East name and the brand for, you know, they opted for the American. When you think of the teams left over in the ACC of this magnificent seven, you know, the Boston colleges, the Georgia techs, I don't, I think, I don't think they were in that seven uh, and like the Louisville's wouldn't, if the trade-off was, Hey, we have to take more money or we're going to, or, you know, these other seven are, I seen the idea floated that they would just, they could possibly create a new conference or something. Maybe, you know, would the other seven be enticed to, to take less money to keep the conference together? Uh, yes, they would. But the, the problem is, and that's a great question, but the problem is the seven could take less money, but there's still the ACE, the, the magnificent seven, whatever, they still cannot get anywhere near what the Big Ten and the SEC are making. Okay. I mean, the basically the bottom seven. If again, if you're at the, if we'll say we'll round up forty million. So if every school is making forty million, if you drop seven schools by ten million, which would be drastic, which is unheard of, and then you add ten million to the other schools, then they're up to fifty. They're still, you know, twenty million less than the other than the Big Ten and the SEC. So 20 million per year, you know, five years, you're 100 million, you know, behind those guys. So I don't think, one, I don't think that would happen. The other thing is if these guys leave and try to form their own conference, uh, you mentioned, you know, and I, I used to cover the University of South Florida, so I was well aware of what happened with the Big East back then um, when they split up. And it's kind, it's kind of more similar to when the, even going further back when the WAC had 16 teams and eight teams left the WAC to become the Mountain West. So that's, so that's how that thing was formed. And now there's no more WAC. Um, the difference now though, is you've got all these schools and the media rights is so much different than it was back then with the WAC and the Mountain West. And also probably more importantly, the college football playoff. I mean, it's set up right now where it pays out 10 conferences and Notre Dame. So, you know, if suddenly there's 11 conferences, the college football playoff, which, by the way, all the college football playoff is, is all the conference working together. So now you think the college football playoff and all the conferences are going to say, hey, you know what? We now have 11 mouths to feed instead of 10. Yeah, you go ahead and create your own conference. That ain't that ain't going to happen without a fight. So, again, there's so many. It's it's a good question, but there's not like a simple answer. They could create their own conference. Um, you know, would they then be on the hook for the grant of rights fees or exit fees to get out? If there's nobody to pay those two, tech, technically there wouldn't be. But those other schools you would think would stay together to to take in those exit fee amounts and then kind of regroup with whatever. Um, whatever schools they could find to join them. So again, it's, there's not a simple solution. I've had people tell me that, you know, even though there is the possibility that they could split and create their own conference, that 
if a school decides to leave, they're not going to like recruit three or four schools and say, hey, let's all leave. Because then you get collusion as a possibility that, again, more lawsuits again. So I think if somebody does leave, it will be one or two schools. They'll do it on their own. It won't be like a package deal. And, you know, if they do that, then obviously you would think that they would have some kind of verbal agreement. There will be nothing written down, no paper trail or anything like that where they are basically assured, okay, look, if you guys find a way over the wall, you'll have a home here in the Big Ten or in the SEC or whatever. Um, But for some of those in that Magnificent Seven, you know, you look at NC State, maybe at Virginia Tech, they're not guaranteed, I don't think, a spot in the SEC or the Big Ten. So if you group up with these guys and then some of them leave and you're kind of left behind, you know, it, it, it makes it tricky. I mean, there's... I guess there's honor among thieves, if you will. But, it, you know, it's again, it all boils down to CYA and worrying about number one. And that's your specific school. So that's what makes this thing so intriguing. And it's obviously going to have a big impact on college football. And that coupled with does anybody leave the Pac-12 to come to the Big 12? Does, does Oregon and Washington get a Big Ten invite? I mean, a, a number of those things could really um, shake up college football. But, you know, I know uh, Mike, obviously people listening are familiar with Mike Oresco and how he now conveniently has suggested we shouldn't have a Power 5 label. It's funny, last year Power 6 is okay, but now he doesn't want Power 5. Well, I am. I agree with Mike. I will no longer use the phrase Power 5. I will now use Power 2 middle three and group of five, because that's where we're at with the SEC and Big Ten. We got a, a lot to unpack there. I want to I want to start with this, this though, that because you kind of you mentioned there for a second, Oregon, Washington, and I, I forget where I heard you talking last, uh, but it was it was about the Big Ten. So my, my question here is because the Big Ten seems to be the conference where the rumors and speculation on they'll be the ones to expand and then we'll see if the big 12, for instance, gets any of the leftovers or whatever. So, so my question is why doesn't the big 10 do everyone a favor and just offer Oregon and Washington, you know, they've already caused the the PAC 12 to suffer this slow bleed by taking USC and UCLA. Why not just put them out of their misery and let the four corner score schools go to the big 12? Um, well, the reason is, and I, I don't know if you're a Monty Python fan, but if you are, it's USC and UCLA is just a flesh wound, okay? They just they just lost an arm. They haven't lost everything. The Big Ten and Fox specifically do not want the blood, Pac-12's blood on their hands. And you make a great point where they already got SC and UCLA. Why not go ahead and end it? They don't want to. They don't want to deliver the kill shot. What they are hoping for is that if some schools leave on their own to go to the Big 12, and now there's a mass exodus of schools because the grant of rights has not gotten done or the numbers not what they, these schools expected, then after schools leave for the, for the Big 12, then the Big 10 can come in and get Oregon and Washington and also, by the way, they get them at a reduced rate. I mean, Oregon and Washington, are, are, they're desperate now. Wait till, if any schools leave for the, for the Big 12, boy, re- they'll really be on a discount rack. And then the Big 10 can go and get these guys. They won't have to pay them a full share like they will USC and UCLA. And they can bring them in at a lower rate and then gradu- gradually ramp them up. The Big 10 will, will do all that. You know, A, if the big, if any of these schools leave for the Big 12, they don't want blood on their hands. And probably more importantly, B, it has to make the conference, remaining conference members in the Big 10, more money per school. They're not going to bring in additional members just to get bigger if suddenly the, the, the size of the pie gets smaller for the remaining members. So that's something that they would have to work out with Fox, CBS, and NBC and all their media rights partners. But if they can bring those guys in, you know, at less than at full share, then the leftover money could go to the remaining members. So in theory, they would make more. But again, 
you know, I sound like a broken record. It it all depends on money and finances. So if the Big Ten can do that and they will make more money, they will do it. But they will not, from what I've, I've been told this for several months, they will not make the first move. And I think there was a time back when they added USC and UCLA where they were ready to do that. They were kind of prepared to do that. And then they kind of, you know, caught their breath. And then, well, all, all of a sudden, Kevin Warren's leaving. And now you don't have a commissioner. And they've had a number of presidents change. So now they've kind of taken a step back. But, um, you know, as I've reported previously, they they have vetted and approved those two schools. They, you know, they check off all the boxes for a new member. As long as financially it makes sense for the Big Ten, they would bring those guys on. But they will not, absolutely will not do it unless some of these schools leave the Pac-12 because they don't want the, you know, they don't want on the Pac-12's death certificate, you know, because of the Big Ten. Even though you can argue, you made a great point, you can argue they, they started the, they started the, the bleeding. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, if you're trying to get them for a reduced rate, that makes sense. Uh, You know, I think we could just end a lot of this if they would just, uh, you know, go for the kill shot. But but with the the new uh, commissioner, like you said, uh, you know, there are some different hands in charge now. So that kind of makes sense to me. I know we, uh, I want to be respectful of your time, Brett. I kind of, I just have like six questions here left for you. And these can be kind of like quick hitters. Uh, you can answer them as, as short or as long as you want. Sound good? What's the longest podcast you've ever done? Um, um, probably about an hour 36. Okay. We'll stay under that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. All right. S- sounds good. Uh, yeah. So, to sort of go off of this uh, this Big Ten speculation and, and talk that we're we're already on here, uh, because it se- we know. I'll, I'll just get to the question: Any chance that the Big Ten looks south before expanding its footprint west with Oregon and Washington? You mean for an ACC school? Could be. Yeah. Well, they're not going to get anybody out of the SEC, so they're not going to get anybody out of the Big 12. They're not going to get anybody um, – Oregon and Washington would be the only ones they'd want in the Pac-12. Yeah, they could They could look if, – if look, at the Big 12 – excuse me, if the Pac-12 gets their grant of rights done and those 10, those 10 members sign – you know, a grant of rights deal for it will be a very short period of time, um, somewhere between three and five years, I'm guessing. Um, you know, technically, they could still leave during that grant of rights, but let's say they don't. Let's say Cleofkopf delivers grant of rights, all 10 schools sign it, you know, they sing Kumbaya, um, they're all happy. Yeah, the Big Ten could look at somebody in the ACC first, but that would mean somebody or somebody's in the ACC would have to get out of the league. The Big Ten is not going to offer an invitation to any school that is currently in a conference. It simply does not work that way. You notify your conference, you're leaving your conference, then you apply for membership in the new conference you're going to, and then that conference then accepts you. That's why I was just blown away when Klyovkov visited SMU and not only did he visit them, which is pretty much unheard of anyway. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, you're obviously in Cincinnati. Did Bo, I mean, was Bowlesby visiting Cincinnati before they were a member or your mark, you know, whatever the timing was. I don't think so. I don't think any commissioner has ever visited officially visited a school before they became a member. Well, Klyovkov, did that with SMU, and then he went to a basketball game, sat up in the top row he had a hat on, I guess, thinking we wouldn't recognize him. If they keep their their self together, then, yeah, the Big Ten could get the ACC. But again, a school or schools would have to get out of the ACC and then apply for membership to the Big Ten, and then the Big Ten would accept them. You're not going to apply for membership unless you've already been told to be accepted. Okay. But the challenge, yeah, the challenge for the ACC, the guys are, you know, they want to make sure 
that they kind of have an agreement that, hey, if we get out of this deal, you're going to take us. Because if not, you could have a situation I don't think would happen where somebody actually left the conference <laughs> and then had nowhere to go. You know, that would kind of not uh, look great for the team without a conference. You know, I forget who I brought this up to on the podcast. Uh, so when the news of the Oklahoma, Texas moving over to the SEC broke, and it seemed like Texas A&M was, was really mad about that situation. I, I believe someone yep, from their camp were. launched it. Um, and it was my idea that uh, A&M should, should look to join the Big Ten if they were that mad about it. Uh, I thought that would be a good fit. That way they don't have to share a conference with the Longhorns. I don't think uh, that word's gotten down to them yet, but I, I would like to see that myself. I'm, I'm still going to be pushing for that idea. Uh, but let's, let's, tra- or, uh, let's go back to the, the West Coast here, Brett. Let's, the Pac-12 has been in negotiations for a new TV deal it seems like longer than I've been alive. Uh, and I, I think it really, it's been like almost a year now. Is this saga going to be over anytime soon? And, and what can we expect in, in you know, what, what's the newest news out of the big 12 media deal? Uh, you mean PAC 12? Pac, I'm sorry. PAC 12 is what I meant. Yeah. I, I apologize. That's fine. Uh, first, uh, let me, let me clarify something. The, uh, Long before you were born, man created fire, and then the next day the Pac-12 started working on their media rights deal. So it has it has been a while. That sounds um, right. Yeah, look, yeah, they've been going at it since last July at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, George Klyovkov said, you know, Big Twelve may be open for business, but we haven't decided if we're going to go shopping there or not. So since last July, they've been looking for a deal. Uh, you know, everyone that I talked to uh, throughout, you know, all levels of college athletics, networks, just every from the top to the very bottom, nobody has a really good read on where the Pac-12 is going to end up. That doesn't mean they're not going to have a end up with a deal. That doesn't mean they're going to end up not have a great deal. What... Myself and I think other journalists have that have been been doing this for a while. Question is usually when you're working on something or you're negotiating with somebody or you you're close to a deal. Look, people talk. Okay, it gets out somewhere somehow. Nothing is out there. Nothing, and no one knows who who they're going to do a deal with. And you know, we're talking today earlier today. Andrew Marshawn of the New York Post sports media reporter said that basically ESPN is no longer involved with the PAC 12. Dennis Dodd of CBS sports reported that, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, could, does that mean ESPN's definitely out? Probably for the amount of money that, that the PAC 12 wants, but if ESPN can get that deal for a lot cheaper and they can get it for pennies on the dollar, then they'll do a deal with the PAC 12. Um, but then the issue is if you can't get the amount of money that the schools believe that they were going to get, then are they more likely to, to jump to the big 12? Are they more likely to try to cut a deal with the, with the big 10 for a lesser amount? Those are the, all the unknowns. So, um, you know, there's been a couple of presidents, Washington state's president, uh, believe it was last week told kookfan.com that, he believes a deal would be done um, in the coming weeks. Uh, I think it was Arizona State uh, AD or, or president, I can't remember which one now, said they expected something in summertime, maybe July or August. So I, I honestly have no idea. I'm, I'm waiting to see when this happens. In February, the, the conference put out a statement that said that all, all the schools are committed and we look forward to announcing a new deal soon. And that was four months ago, five months ago. So I don't know. I just know that the longer it goes on, and whether this is fair or not, this is reality. The longer it goes on, the more uncertainty there is, um, the more noise that's out there about things that possibly could happen. And, uh, you know, I look, I cover realignment. I've done it since the Big East imploded, since 
you know, USF went from Conference USA to the Big East. I mean, going way back. And I've covered a lot of it. And I don't necessarily, people think like, oh, I must like this. I don't really necessarily like this. I think it's bad for college athletics. I think it would suck if there's no Pac-12. I hate that there's no WAC anymore. I hate that the Southwest Conference is gone. But that's kind of the reality. And we're, you know, we're getting, conferences are getting bigger and bigger and we're having fewer conferences. So um, will the Pac-12 be a thing in the past? I think it depends um, greatly on, what the Pac-12 ends up with with their media rights deal, but you know, to answer your initial question, Brian, I have no idea when this thing's going to be done. <laughs> Could be done before you post this podcast, and it may be, not be done for another two or three months. We'll just have to continue to wait and see here. So, if we're looking at all of college football from from coast to coast, if some of the if some or all of these dominoes fall that we, we've been talking about this evening. Uh, in your opinion or, or what you know of right now, uh, who would, would you believe ends up in the worst spot among the most well-known programs across the country? Um, well, it's like Pac-12, Armageddon, where the school, some schools leave to come to the Big 12. The Big 10 swoops in and grabs not two, but four schools. They had Stanford and Cal to Oregon and Washington. Then the the teams that are most likely to be in the absolutely worst position, and it has nothing to do with the quality of their athletic programs. It has nothing to do with their success on or off the field. It has 1 million percent to do with geography, and that is Oregon State and Washington State. And I hate that because I think Jonathan Smith at Oregon State is one of the best coaches in the country. He's in my mind, he's a top 10 coach. Now, a lot of people don't know a lot about him because why? Because he's up, you know, in the northwestern part of the United States. They play a lot of games on a Pac-12 network. A lot of people don't get those games and they're not a national brand. And so I think those two schools, again, if the Pac-12 implodes, they don't have anywhere to go. They they end up joining the, the Mountain West. Um they're not going to get an invite to the Big Ten. They're not going to get an invite to the Big 12. Um, you know, ACC, SEC, whatever, no shot. They would be the two I would be most concerned about as far as the power conference schools. And then on the flip side, if the, I don't know, something, somebody found a, a loophole in the ACC grant of rights, then I think, you know, somebody along the lines of a Syracuse or, I don't know, Wake Forest or somebody along those lines that's kind of a smaller school, um, you know, kind of maybe scrambling to kind of uh, stay afloat, try to find a, a conference out there they could latch on to. And again, I want to I want to emphasize this. This has nothing to do with how good these football programs are or their coaches are or anything like that. It simply has to do with the school's value to the networks. And, you know, a lot of people get so tied up and, you know, why, why is Texas a big name? They haven't won anything in, you know, 20 years or whatever the number is. Yeah, you're right. But whether you like it or not, they have a huge brand and people will turn on their television sets to watch them play, maybe to watch them lose, but to watch them anyway. So that's where people get all caught up in. Well, why wouldn't this conference take this school over this school? That school's done better in the past because it's not necessarily their win and loss um, results. It's, it's a lot has to do with their, how valuable they are um, to these networks. So um, I'd say Washington State, Oregon State at the top of the list, and then maybe some of the not-so-magnificent seven leftovers in the ACC if, if that thing implodes. So this is kind of a selfish question I got for you here as we, you know, just got a couple of them left here for you. But can you confirm my belief that the Big 12 adding UConn is a terrible idea? Um, well, I can't confirm it's a terrible idea. We wouldn't know until <laughs> five years down the road. I, I will, I will say this. I think that 
the reports of the interest in UConn has been blown out of proportion. Good. The, the Big 12 has, in the Big 12's pecking order, it is the corner schools from the Pac-12. Those are their top four options. After that, you fall off a cliff to whoever they want to add next. And that would be a number of group of five schools. It would probably be simpler. Simp- it would probably be easier for me to list the schools they haven't talked to than list the schools <laughs> they have talked to. They are just basically kicking the tires with everybody. And I think it's more just to kind of stay engaged with these guys. Um, you know, UConn obviously brings a lot basketball-wise, football not so much. But UConn's whole identity is based on being in the Big East and basketball. So I don't know, you know, look, if the Big 12 came to them and said, you know what, you're going to make $32 million or you can stay in the Big East and make whatever their number is, $10 million, $15 million, I don't even know if it's that much. I'm sure they'd, you know, they'd have a very easy decision. Again, I think the reports about them in UConn have been blown out of proportion. I, I know they talked to UConn. They, they talked to UConn like two months ago. It just now got out. Um, so it, just because you talk to somebody doesn't mean you're automatically going to add that team to your conference. The Big 12 has talked to, oh, man, close to ten, probably 10 schools or representatives of the Big 12 have reached out to different different schools, you know, kind of just to touch base. Um, not really gauge their interest because you're not, if you're not in a power five league, you certainly want to get into a, sorry, Resco, I use power five. Um, they want to get in a power conference. So certainly if you're not in a power conference, you want to get into one. So certainly everyone's um, receptive to that. So um, it would be questionable that, to add UConn, uh, but I don't think it's fair to say it, it would be a disaster until let's see, you see what happens. I mean, Maybe UConn turned it around. You, you know, as far as uh, although they were in AQ back then, they did actually go to the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, you know, I remember that was a, that was our that, that was our Butch Jones years. We were both alive then, so um, you can't diss them for that. And then Edsel left for Maryland, and they kind of struggled since then. So just because they've done it in the past, I'd mean they'll do it again, but. Um, I would I would say it would it would be a strange addition, but um, it would be, you know I I know you want to call it a disaster. I can't say it's a disaster till we see what happens. I mean, what if what if USC and UCLA join the Big Ten and they never finish over five hundred? Then technically that could be viewed as a disaster. Except the difference is USC will have a lot of people tuning in to watch them lose games so it won't be a disaster financially i mean i mean if we're talking in terms of of money and that seems to be the driving factor it's worked well for maryland and rutgers moving to the big 10 so it should work for ucla and usc as well uh maybe not but but what's what's funny no what's funny though and is you look at the all of the schools that have that have switched conferences in the power leagues, um, Utah is the only one that's won a conference championship. Hmm. That's, that's a nice nugget there. All well, right. TCU didn't – TCU went to the playoff, but they didn't win the conference championship. Nope. But you look at Syracuse, Pitt, um, you look at Utah, TCU, uh, Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska. Jesus, have they even had a winning season since they moved? Um Missouri, Missouri won the division, never won the, the conference title, you know. So, yeah, so, no, they, they all made more money, but ultimately, you know, are they in a better situation because they're in a better conference? Financially, I guess, yes. Competitively, uh, not so much. All right, well, we'll see what Cincinnati happens get, sure. Cincinnati, you know, is now a part of that group, so. we Yes, we, we are uh, – <laughs> We 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 feel like we're finally not the ones in the worst position possible. Uh, you know, maybe it's sort of um, 
just being naive and happy that, uh, you know, we're finally in one of these, uh, these power conferences. Uh, but we, we feel as though the, the big 12 is maybe the, the most stable of that middle three that you're talking about. Maybe, like I said, maybe it's just, just being naive, but we're, we'll certainly cross our fingers and hope that's the case. No, you're, and look, I'm, I don't know if you knew this or not. I'm an Oklahoma state grad. So go big 12. You know why the big 12 is the most stable and I'm saying this as a big 12 guy is because nobody else wants the schools like the SEC got OU in Texas Pac-12 didn't or excuse me the Big 10 doesn't want anybody in the big 12 the ACC can't get them the Pac-12 can't get them so that in a weird way you know we're the misfits and but you know when the world ends we'll still be around because nobody else wanted these schools um, and you're right until recently when the big 12 added you guys like basically Louisville and Yukon, you know, fought for the last, the last life preserver on the Titanic and Louisville grabbed it and Yukon didn't. And now look where Yukon is and look where Louisville is. Well, fortunately for you guys, there was one more lifeboat and you and Houston and BYU and um, UCF got on it. And, you know, there may be one more big shakeup, but, you know, and I, again, I totally, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. But if you're not in a power conference, you are going to be so insignificant. It's, it's, it's frightening. And I'm worried that there are going to be schools that are not in the, in the power conferences. And we're talking three, four, five years down the road. that simply either cut football or they drop to a FCS level or they just, you know, cut athletics completely because they're not going to have the money from the TV deals. And then also when colleges start paying players and that will happen, make no mistake, or when they get a share of their media rights deals or whatever it is, you're going to have to compensate these players some way, somehow it's going to happen. And if you're not in a major conference and you have these, you know, monster media right deals, you're not going to be able to afford to do it. So then how many how many players are going to want to come to your school when they can go somewhere else and actually make money as compared to coming to your school and not making money? And so, you know, that's great news for, for Cincinnati and the other three because you guys may have got the last, the last lifeboat um, off the Titanic. And, again, I hate that for the group of five, but I, I've – I had a group five AD tell me this last year. He goes, we're just rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. It's just a matter of time. And that sucks, but that's the reality of it. Do you think the, because you kind of bring up, you know, the, no one really wanting what was left over after Texas and Oklahoma in the big 12. You think the, the PAC 12 sort of regrets their decision not to go in for the kill, maybe taking a, a Kansas, you know, who, who's, you know, phenomenal you know basketball program maybe uh maybe only up and up in in football but they sort of it seems like you know the the whirlwind of rumors was that a maybe the pac-12 does poach one or two big 12 schools and the big 12 you know will, will go kaput do you think they're sort of second guessing their decision not to do that right now oh i mean absolutely but i mean i understand you know look you look at the pac-12 makeup there's a lot of really fine academic institutions out there and do they want to be affiliated with stillwater oklahoma (laughs) no they don't i understand that that's fine that's cool i i totally understand but yeah it's funny looking at it now is how it all broke down and that yeah because because they were you know, perceived as academically superior to some of the big 12 schools. And that's why their presidents didn't really want to be aligned with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was part of it. I think the biggest mistake, and again, no one knows at the time when it happens, but the biggest mistake for the PAC 12 was letting the big 12 jump in front of the PAC 12 for the meteorites. Because what that did, and, you know, you can go back and look at freezing cold takes, Twitter account or whatever, but everyone said the Big 12 is making a mistake. They're not getting enough money. They are going to get screwed by doing an early TV deal. Well, guess what? A funny thing happened. They basically capped what the Pac-12 could get because if they were getting 
there's no reason anyone else would pay more than that for the Pac-12 because there's no competition out there. And I think that's probably their biggest regret right there, besides not trying to get a couple of of uh, Big 12 schools. And it reminds me of, you know, back when, you know, the Big East was together. And when Pitt and Syracuse were still in the league, the back when the Pac-12 got their monster deal, the Big East was negotiating with the ESPN, and they had a really significant deal offer from ESPN. But the Pac-12 had just got this monster deal, so the Big East presidents decided, you know what, let's not accept this ESPN deal. Let's wait till our deal's up, and then we'll get a monster deal like the Pac-12. Well, guess what happened? Pitt and Syracuse, both to the ACC, by the time their deal's up, they go back to ESPN. They try to get that money. ESPN says no thanks. They let them go out the market. ESPN is similar to the Pac-12 situation. ESPN is, I was at ESPN then. ESPN is done with the Big East. We're not, we're not going to be doing any more games with them. But because ESPN had their rights, they had a clause in the contract that they could match any deal that the Big East got from another network. So the Big East went out, negotiated a deal with NBC Sports. They came back to ESPN and said, we've got a deal with NBC Sports. You have, the, you have the right to match it. If not, we're going to NBC Sports. ESPN looked at that deal and said, what? This is what NBC's paying you? That's it? So that's then ESPN said, we'll just, okay, we'll keep you. So they kept the Big East at a much smaller rate, kind of similar to what's happening with the Pac-12 now. They let the Big 12 jump in front of them. They didn't get a guaranteed number, and then now they're kind of struggling. So I think it's a combination of what you said, maybe not getting somebody from the Big 12. Kansas, is, an, I believe, is an AAU school, so that would fit them academically. But to be honest, I mean, I'm a Big 12 guy. If I was in the Pac-12, I wouldn't want to be paired up with Big 12 schools either. They have nothing in common. Um, but, again, looking back at it now, it's easy to say, yeah, you guys should have done that. All right, Brett, you've been awesome with your time here. Just just one last question here for you. And, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate this. I know listeners will uh, will appreciate it as well. My last question here for you, and I'm sure you uh, take your fair share of, of beatings or abuse, if you will, on, on social media. But if if I were to survey Bearcats fans, uh, you know, across the country and, you know, especially here in Cincinnati, what do you think their biggest gripe with you would be? <laughs> I thought you, I thought you wanted to keep this under an hour and 36 minutes. Um, pro, I, you tell me, I, you tell me and I'll respond to it. I have no idea because I will tell you this, the greatest, we mentioned, uh, we joked earlier about man created fire and then the PAC 12 started negotiating their media rights. Man creating fire is not the greatest invention in the history of mankind. It is the mute button on Twitter. There so you go. I don't, I never block anybody cause I don't want to give them that satisfaction, but I have muted, uh, hundreds of millions. So, uh, the bad news is if you're sending me tweets and ripping me and all that, I never see it and I'll never see it and I won't see it. So to be very honest, I have no idea what I've done, said, written, reported, uh, made bad jokes about in the past that have upset him. But if, if you tell me, I'll, I'll respond to it. But I, I, uh, I honestly have no idea what it'd be. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it had probably something to do with being in the, in the group five before we get into the big 12. But then now that you guys are a power conference, you kind of look your nose down at the group five. So now you're like, you're, you, we've let, we're, you're part of the club now. So it's like, Oh yeah. Now I see what he means. Yeah, I, uh, to, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm kind of oblivious. Uh, so <clears throat> there's this uh, thing called Discord that uh, I, I'm a part of, and I, I threw out that you were going to be on the podcast today. And I was, you know, if you have any questions that you want me to ask, you know, let me know what they are. And there were some some people that were that were angry about it, and some people that seemed kind of excited. I was, I'm kind of oblivious. Um, you know, I've followed you on Twitter for a while now. I'm not 
I can't remember one instance where you really made me that angry as a Bearcats fan, but I'm, you know, maybe I have short-term memory, you know, and, and for the record, the only person that's ever blocked me on Twitter is United States Senator Tommy Tuberville. So that's, I guess I keep it clean enough. Oh, there you go. Most of the part, so most times. So uh, I, I think this will be well received, and, and if not, I'll I'll see what exactly people's gripes are because right now I'm, I'm oblivious if they have any. If not, you know, even better. So, Brett, I, I certainly uh, appreciate your time. I guess, here. I guess probably probably I was gonna say um, probably the one thing that probably. Um, part of my friends pissed him off was I didn't, I didn't believe that Cincinnati should have been in the playoff mm, based on their schedule. If there was, if there was a one loss power conference team and you know, it's my, it's my opinion. You guys were in the playoff. Okay. You didn't win, but that's fine. You were in the playoff. I just don't think with that schedule that, that, um, you know, you beat an Indiana team that, finished below 500 if I remember correctly I know you beat Notre Dame but um you know it's a lot different when you're playing a tough schedule week in week out you know Cincinnati and and BYU UCF Houston you'll you'll see a difference you know there's no more you know USF East Carolina's on the schedule and all that and that does take a toll it doesn't mean you guys weren't one of the four best teams in the country it's just so hard with just a limited schedule that I always give the benefit of the doubt to the teams that play the, the, the tougher overall schedule and not just like two or three out of 12 games being elite teams when the other power conference schools that were in the running for the playoff play upwards from six to nine quality teams. So that's it. But I, I look, if I'm a Cincinnati fan, I understand too. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think, I think there's, I think it's fair, but I also think there's like a double standard where, you know, if you take Ohio state and they, you know, they're boat racing Maryland and Rutgers and in Indiana and Nebraska by 50 every week, you know, they're, you know, top four team, God's gift to college football. Uh, but then like, you know, we don't get credit for playing a lowly Indiana. Uh, so I think, there's a little bit of a double standard there throughout like perception, but I, I kind of get that as well. And I'm glad that the uh, scheduling there, the bad scheduling on and going to Greenville, North Carolina or wherever in those days are behind us. So uh, different story. If we go undefeated from here on out. Yeah. The good news is, you know, now, you know, now you don't, you try not to schedule group five teams in the non-conference. You just, you know, oh, no, sorry, we just want to play power five. But, I mean, you know, you br- I mean, you bring up a good point. And, you know, the and the, the thing that makes this so hard for the, for like I vote in the AP poll for the committee and all that stuff is you don't have, you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing apples to oranges. And uh, Cincinnati or UCF, you know when they've got when they've gotten to New Year's six game. Um, you know they've only got two or three games where you can look and say, okay, there's quality opponents. They played, where in Ohio State, you know, has seven, eight, nine opportunities, and you know it it is it shouldn't be, but it is a difference when they when they do boat race Indiana, and a a non power five you know beats Indiana by by. 10 points or whatever there there is a there is a difference in margin of victory and that sort of thing but um yeah the good news is and i i I know people at ucf and they joke about it and laugh about it and i'm like hey you guys are you guys are part of the group now because um they were saying oh you didn't you didn't have us projected in a good bowl or whatever and i go man you guys haven't even officially joined the the big 12 yet and you're already a snob towards the your bowl selection so uh yeah, you guys will fit in nicely, but yeah, it's that's the beauty of college football is there's so much discussion and debate and disagreement, and everybody is everybody is loyal to their to their schools um, for a reason. And I just thought of something that I just forgot about is I actually have one of the uh, Cincinnati for Kelly 
towels. Okay. You remember those? Yes, I do. I was I was at the um, Montgomery Inn for Brian Kelly's um, radio show, and I think it was the week before he left to go to Notre Dame, and they were selling them there for five bucks, and I bought one. It was pretty cool, and he told everyone he wasn't leaving, and then I think it was after the pit game during the uh, the football banquet. I think is when it when it broke and uh yeah sorry to bring up bad memories but i will say this now i'm going old school you're like shut up please i need to go uh marty gilliard one of my all-time favorite players to cover is a college football reporter i freaking love that guy he was incredible what he did against Pitt. oh man love 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 me some marty gilliard yeah i mean we, we celebrate that day the, the Pike to Ben's day, which is the play, you know, that, that, that won it, but without yeah. Marty Gilliard putting the team on his back. Second man, half kickoff, right? Yes. He took it yeah, to the house. That, and That changed the whole, that changed the whole, yes. the whole game right there. So yeah, that was, if so, you yeah. hate me, Cincinnati fans, I love Marty. So don't hate me that much. There we go. I, there we go. You know, last thing here, you bring up not scheduling, you know, group of five teams and I, if I'm not mistaken, I saw that uh, our our biggest rival ever, Xavier, although it isn't basketball, is sort of exploring or thinking about exploring the idea of adding a football team, uh, which I am a hundred percent against because we already have to oh, schedule wow. we have to schedule Miami, Ohio every year. We beat them 17 or 18 years in a row. To have to add Xavier to that. Uh, that would put us at a disadvantage. So for that reason, I, I don't need to see a Xavier Musketeer football team uh, so we can, you know, boat race them like we do Miami every year. Um, there's better better opportunities for scheduling happening outside of, of, of Xavier, even though a crosstown kickoff would be extremely rowdy. Well, I'm sure Zay, it would take Xavier probably a minimum of five years to even get to the level that you guys – where they would count as an FCS win. So you probably don't have to worry about them for that long anyway. No, I try I try to worry about them as little as possible. There so, you go. Brett, I certainly appreciate your time here tonight. You were awesome. I appreciate it. Hopefully we've turned some Bearcats fans back to uh, to the good side here for you. And I will certainly reach out again <laughs> and, uh, and have you on in the near future. Maybe when we are uh, – I'm sure you're very busy during – uh, the football season, but we'll try to check in with you again uh, in the near future. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me. I, I don't, I don't have Cincinnati schedule in front of me, but if you guys ever make a trip to uh, Oklahoma State for a game, you absolutely have to hit Eskimo Joe's, get the cheese fries, and then Hideaway Pizza, about a half a mile from the stadium. You can't go wrong there. Um, but uh, enjoy your first year in the Big Twelve. It will, it will be a blast and. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. Glad you guys are are on board. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. All right. I definitely want to thank Brett for his time coming on the show, giving us way more time than he promised. Uh, Definitely uh, knows his stuff, keeps his ear to the ground, like I said. Uh, Hopefully uh, we have more positive response now. to to the the work that he does he's a big 12 guy right so uh you know at least he's not like lee corso lee corso coming to uh college game day rooting on the bearcats loving us because you know there's a million people in front of him ready to take off his head if not uh and then you know talks trash about us when uh when he's not in town so you know at least he's not a a flip-flopper like like corso i will say i certainly appreciated the insight and uh, the knowledge that he has on the conference realignment expansion situation. Other than that, uh, I said that uh, this is the last episode of season three, uh, but they're all, the last new episode, I will say. So I, I will take a, a little bit of a break here. However, next week, there still will be a new episode. Uh, it will not be on topic of the Bearcats. It will not be a beer episode like we've done a couple times now. Uh, but for Memorial Day, I'm going to uh, release a um, an interview that I did with my grandpa. Uh, my grandpa was a World War II veteran, served, in, uh, drafted, I should say, to, to the U.S. Army at 17, and then uh, you know fought his way 
uh, across Europe and uh, finally in the Battle of the Bulge. I'm not going to go too far into it next week, but I thought since uh, it is Memorial Day and I want to make this transition and officially start season four, uh, I thought it would be cool to to throw that out there for people if you know, you're uh, – military buff history buff uh, curious about you know what his experience was uh, I'm, I'm releasing that next monday for memorial day hopefully you uh, you tune into that uh, i really like it because uh sort of makes his uh you know his story and his memory the memories of him live on uh, you know he passed about three years ago now so check that out when it comes out uh very near and dear to my heart and uh we'll come back uh season four off season very focused uh podcast coming every week still uh, and uh if you are curious about the big 12 and, and what that holds i suggest you tune in every week i'll leave you with this cheers go bearcats